0: Hello, swim boxers. Today on Swim Out of the Box, we talk with Ola Al Ghazuli. Ola is a swim box instructor and is on a mission to bring swimming and fitness to Muslim women. If I had to describe Ola in one word, I would use the word passionate. I think her passion comes through in the podcast, so let's get started. We're recording, all right. So, are you ready to get started?
1: I'm so ready.
0: Good. Uh, Today is a really great day, I think, because it's not often that we get to have a swim box instructor on the podcast. I can only think of what Dan has been on.
1: Yeah, but Dan wasn't like a guest. So this is our first our first instructor who's also our guest because she does all of these other things outside of Swimbox um, that I would love for her to tell everyone about because there are so many of them. I'll do you want to
0: introduce them. Ola? Yeah, I'm
1: getting that. <laughs> this is my lack of an introduction introduction. <laughs> so today we have Ola Algazuli with us. Ola, do you want to tell us a little about yourself? Let everyone know all the things you do so I don't butcher it.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for having me, first of all, and for allow me to work with you as well. So my name is Ola, and I'm the podcast host as well of Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola and the founder of BeFist for Akhira, where I've helped Muslim women work out during Ramadan. And I've also launched the uh, Sim for Akhira campaign this summer in 2020 to talk about the struggles that the Muslim woman has to go through to book a pool, for instance, the struggles in the water, and just kind of bring more diversity into the aquatic world. So I am a personal trainer and a swim instructor.
0: Yeah, and I I enjoy always talking with Ola because she's somebody who, like, wants change. Like, she's like, this has to be better. And it's something I always appreciate about anybody, really. That's why
1: I needed her to list her resume because it's much longer than us.
0: Right, it's not, oh, I'm a swim coach and I coach for age group swimmers. No, it's like... I'm trying to incite a change in the Muslim world, so
1: hear all the things i You're doing a ton.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, you I do don't a lot. know how you
1: have time for all of this stuff. Are you like, how do you have time for everything?
2: That's a good question because I'm not sure how to have time for it sometimes. <laughs> 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 um, so I have a friend who's helping me with me right now, like working with me, which has been helpful. So when it came to the pot, to the webinar itself, the campaign, we were able to. Like she would come on, she would help me, support me.
1: Hold on, which campaign are you talking about? I want to make sure. That Best in
2: for Akhara campaigns. So like how okay. to have time for all of it uh, by having like someone working with me, trying to kind of plan things out, mm-hmm. and then try to declutter the brains, so like focus.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let the <laughs> thoughts also, out. Translation of that campaign in English.
0: Be fit for Aqara. You guys pronounce that right?
2: Yes, but Swim for Akhira was the campaign. Oh, in the
1: you fail.
0: Mm, I failed.
1: I'm out. See <laughs> you okay. guys later. So, Ola, what is, the, what is the translation of that?
2: Swim, we all know, but for Akhira means for the afterlife.
1: Okay, and that's most commonly used, which makes no sense. Um, that's um, a for, theme in Muslim culture, correct?
0: In Islam
1: yes so i'm very
2: happy that you were the first company first pe- people that i've you know met that actually did the research to understand like what it means because i've never had anyone like oh beef for Akhira like it, we looked it up to see what it actually means i've had a few people uh-huh. which is very um nice so in the islamic in the islamic religion we have six pillars of faith and one of them is the faith of the afterlife and the faith uh-huh. of the the three books the three li- religions and so that's where it came from the pillar of faith which is why i want to be able to kind of expand and like work with people of faith not just like the muslim people mm-hmm. since i cool. Hescoff, i represent them i'm more able to relate to them first
1: very cool i really like that take on it i feel I've, i haven't heard of i've never heard of um anything in that structure you're very focused on a certain aspect and i I love that. I feel like too many people nowadays try to do everything. Um, so I really like the specificity of that.
0: Yeah. And we can, especially
1: in an underserved community. Right. Let's, let's put that out there. Yeah. Muslim well. women
0: completely underserved in the swimming world. Um, so we, right before the podcast, we were talking about Mario doing mm-hmm. his Ironman and he has a very selfless mission, right? And, and you do too. And I always feel my, find myself gravitating towards people like that. Um, someone who has this vision, and it isn't just about them. It's about giving back to a community or giving back to other people that they can show or demonstrate, look, I'm, I'm similar to you. We can do this together. We're in this together, and, and look, we're doing this together. And, and to me, that's so much more powerful and meaningful than someone who's like, well, I want to do an Ironman to check it off my bucket list. Not to say that's a bad reason. It's just not as powerful to me. Yeah, there's, I'm sure there's people out there listening to this right now who are like, "I just want to do an Iron Man to check it off my bucket list." You I'm do not, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that's a bad reason.
1: So, so, how did um, what did you start with first? Since you do so many things, like where where did it all stem from? Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, it BF for Echra started in 2014 uh-huh. on a Facebook page. It was like an idea, name. It was born with the story okay. behind it. And then in 2016, I became a certified personal trainer. And then in 2017, I tried to, well, I did become, I got a certification in the functional fitness specialist just by attending like a webinar or workshop, learning more about it, attended idea conferences. And then in 2019, it's when I became a certified swim instructor, a basic level swim instructor. And then 2020, here we are. (laughs)
1: <laughs> coaching so, for box so you started out as more strength conditioning fitness personal, th- yeah. personal training yeah. orientation
2: yeah more of like i will train anyone everyone to learn i enjoyed before becoming a certified person trainer i was enjoying a lot of gym workouts mm-hmm. hardcore lifting then after depression anxiety went back to outdoors biking resistance training like the resistance bands and the outdoors mm-hmm. that kind of uh functional training mm-hmm. it's like away from the whole like you just lift 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 like i'm done with that and then
1: hold on i want to cut you off you said that after the depression and anxiety you went outside yes so yes just lifting inside Cause that? Or do we want to breeze right by that? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure.
2: <laughs> so after high school, yeah, no, after high school, because I did struggle with eating disorders and like body image struggles in high school and middle school. And then after that, I I commuted college, I made a friend who really got me into weightlifting and at the gym. So I got my spirits up high, really happy, my body shaped up. I also took a mm-hmm. swimming course at community college, Nova. Then when we transferred to different colleges, like I transferred to George Mason, mm-hmm. things got harder normal normal stuff in college but it really depressed me mm-hmm. and anxiety built up and so because i didn't have time to go back to the gym anymore and i didn't make any time to the workouts that did incline mm-hmm. right okay so then, when before was started and i like the wake-up call moment that's when i decided to go back to fitness but in a different way so instead of going back to the old routine of like i have to lift and just you know the couldn't the traditional workouts I changed the way I work out so more outdoors taking my equipment with, with me like resistance bands fly hmm. tricks agility um I enjoy that kind of stuff endurance because I did track and field in high school
1: oh um, okay I didn't know that
2: yeah what did you do
1: what was your what was your event
0: what were you best at
2: what it was sprinting and long distance I can I'm oh, remember the, the distance but it was like long distance and sprinting
1: Oh my gosh, we can make, make a track team. I did discus and shot put in middle school. You can run and I'll pick up the things. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Team team from box track. <laughs>
0: I ran cross country in high school. Kind there you of. Go. So we need <laughs> someone track, who feel. like
1: throws the javelin and we're good. <laughs> I still have my cleats. I still have
2: my cleats. If you
1: want <laughs> you <go>. Oh shoot. We <laughs> could do it. How- so it sounds like you sort of started, um, you almost like this was you're a shining light, you know, like we started working out, changed your whole life basically. But then when your friend who helped you left, you still had gained the strength to take it over for yourself and pivot it to make it even better and actually use that to help other people. I didn't know that you started out in the gym like that. Sorry that I just summarized. Uh, (laughs) Well, you
0: were processing. (laughs) Uh, I'm curious to know then where did swimming come in? Um, Were you swimming at a young age, did you find swimming later in your life? Where did swimming come into this? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it started in Syria, in Damascus, Syria at age six. My parents put me in a swimming school back home. Mm-hmm. And then when we came to the, to the United States, I did not join any team, any sports team. But I did like, you know, in the summertime came, I would swim outside. And then in 2010, I took a swimming course at community college before I wear the headscarf. Mm-hmm. It's me, just take it. It will be, you know, an easy aid, but it'll also help you shape your body, get back mm-hmm. to it. And so I did that alongside with like lifting at the gym. Mm-hmm. And when I transferred to George Mason. It's when I wore the headscarf, and it was like, harder to come back into the water with like the whole modesty, what to wear, which is the stem of why I spoke about this swim for Ahead campaign, like to talk about why a lot of women like me don't swim. And so I put something on the side for years. And then, but it's a hobby. I like it, I love it, so.
1: You turned something that to me was, so you did something, you did this as a kid, which I love when everyone starts as a kid. I feel like it just sort of shapes your life in a different way that if you're not a swimmer as a kid, you don't get, like you just don't understand it. Um, Yeah. But I, now I'm gonna interrupt myself. I've got to know before I continue. What was it like to (laughs) swim in Damascus? is it very do you different you remember? from here do you remember i remember the school yes
2: um i mean as a little kid it was kind of like america you have a coach we have a group of like little kids together mm-hmm. so, um there is a little bit of competition side. so because and i was sad about it in the past because it was in the summertime but they would um move you up to the higher level and i got like, I remember that part so there was one time where I left. We left to America because, you know, we were immigrants visiting mm-hmm. all that. So we left for a long time. And when we came back, when my parents coming back in school, I left for a very long time. They considered me like, no, lower level.
1: So there's that competition side of it mm-hmm. in Syria. So just because you were gone, they dumped you down?
0: Well, she you was out of practice.
1: Out of, exactly. yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I did that after college. I had to swim with, like, 13-year-olds who just smoked me.
0: I'm doing that now. That's fun. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm out of practice. (laughs) All right. Um, So one of the things that we talked about, I don't know, weeks ago, before this (laughs) podcast, scheduling this podcast, was some of the differences of how we teach freestyle in Swimbox box. And what you might find on the internet, from certain
1: places on the
0: internet. And your question that you really wanted to kind of, I think, dive into, pun intended, um, (laughs) was about the high elbow recovery, which I will say is not a real thing, (laughs) and has become a thing because of... uh, Internet
1: swim coaches?
0: I would say... Lack of knowledge and Easy mis- mislabeling something, mislabeling a movement. I
1: really do think, though, it is that like you have to have something to call something when you do something.
0: Right, and there was a name text for it already.
1: and video.
0: Yeah. So a high level recovery was previously called a relaxed recovery. And for some reason in the vernacular of swim coaches, it became the high elbow recovery.
1: Or a high elbow catch, which and I, I also see.
0: Well, that's because I think they've conflated. I think yeah. the movement for a high elbow catch or a early vertical forearm became incorporated into the idea of a high elbow recovery because they keep saying high elbow, high elbow. And so it's easy to go, well, high elbow recovery now.
1: Well, I think it's the same concept as with the poll. When people say you're working on your poll and people assume you should be pulling, you should not be pulling.
0: It's mostly a push. It's a push.
1: (laughs) But yeah, wording of things makes a lot of these concepts very difficult, I think, to get across because uh, of the internet.
0: uh, I mean, words have meaning and people are going to filter words differently. So it's important. I think it's important to be very choosy about the words that we use when coaching. Mm Mm-hmm. In describing things
2: and that's really interesting because that is something i'm learning about this swimming world um before like as a personal trainer we also have that struggle with the fitness influencers out there what they share like you know the plyometric jumps the squats all these ex- exercises are so popular by the influencers by like these famous coaches but then you have the experts in the fitness industry who have knowledge, expertise, they're also frustrated from it because it's not yeah, a real right. thing. But that's what the normal population, like they, they don't have, they don't understand. They just follow what they see. So coming into the swimming world, it's like the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just different um, exercises, different movements, but the same where we have to educate the audience and then go through, navigate through the social media.
1: Yeah. Right? Like, how do I make my butt look exactly like Kim Kardashian? Oh, I can't? Surgery, so, okay. that's how. Okay. Um, this account so. says I can if I buy these pills, so I'm going to buy the pills. <laughs> oh, I do this exercises. Yes. these exercises? These
0: bands and pills.
1: These bands and pills. <laughs> um,
0: so, uh, to that point, I, I think we have to be specific about our language to specific athletes as well. So, when I was coaching in Manhattan, I was running with the tri-team that I was you know, kind of working with. And the tri coach told me I needed to pick my heel up to my butt. And as a swimmer, that meant keep my knee down and lift my heel up, kind of like a breaststroke movement. Mm -hmm. But as a runner, he was trying to get me to lift my knee up to get get my foot to my butt. Sort of a much different movement. It's actually the opposite movement but the same cue can be used.
1: Oh. Yeah. I have the same exact example because he did the same thing with me. So it'd be the same story just from my perspective. So I'll let you finish.
0: But I try to demonstrate.
1: Because he tried to make me do this, Ola, like I he I was training for a swim run thing forever ago. Um, and so he was like giving me run drills. And that was the first time in my life, in this sense so stupid to admit, that I was like, Oh my gosh, like other sports use drills too. <laughs> so dumb i felt so dumb i was like that's clearly how people get better um but he he told me the same cue and i went to do what he said it's like oh my god no (laughs) because yeah it has different connotations for everyone
0: right so you have to almost evaluate who you're speaking to understand how they're going to potentially filter whatever you tell them and go from there so not to get off topic um let's get back on topic Tell me about your high elbow recovery concepts here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So from my studying and reading about it and from, you know, learning from me as well and seeing on the social media world. So the high elbow, um, recovery, right. is a question. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that we tend to see on online and being told like you have to, when it comes to the recovery phase have the water, Mm -hmm. We should have it up high up here Mm -hmm. and and drag into the water and then back into the catch and power. But what I see online a lot of times, it's that a lot of swimmers, they tend to, at the recovery phase, have their arm a little bit more straighter. then have it more bended and push the water away to propel. And we talked about the shoulder injury prevention. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily out of the water But it's it's actually more in the water to push the water away. But you cannot push the water away if your hand is like straight or if it's just like barely bended. You have to put the pressure in and has to be careful with the shoulders. Um, Now, when it comes out of the water, yeah, we can do drills to kind of like get the movement, wake it up a little bit. But when it comes to actual swimming freestyle, I also do not recommend, and I'm working on it, that super (laughs) high triangle, little zip. Of the
1: water, oh zipper drill is not
0: good. So, um, just so mm-hmm. everyone knows, if you're listening to this podcast, Which means I should
1: probably remove it from our our old. Podcast, we probably should or our um, old YouTube channel. We should.
0: Um, if anyone's listening to this podcast, Ola just was demonstrating all of this, and it was very fun to watch. Actually. I went,
1: I was cringy <laughs> a little in the beginning. Um, it hurt me.
0: <laughs> so, I think the important thing to recognize is that if you overemphasize. A specific movement, we'll say high elbow recovery. People start making that their goal or their target, and then they start just lifting their elbow up out of the water so that their elbow is high up,
1: like lifting, like like straight up. Yeah, like you don't cutting their strokes short. You don't think about it because you're like, well, yeah, my arm does go up, but like when you're taking your recovery, your arm's going forward too. But a lot of times when when these words are used like, and I watch someone performing what they think the words mean, like you can see them just lift their arms straight up and right. br- it brings everything else out of position. You've just put your shoulder in such harm's way. I can't even begin to explain because I don't know the right word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I think there's a couple of things to recognize is that as a swimmer, people should be using their back muscles more than their joints right? A shoulder is a joint and we want to use that joint as little and carefully as possible. Um, and then also we need to recognize that the recovery should really be a reaction or a byproduct of how that person finished their stroke under the water. It's the next step, right? And that next step should be reflexive. It shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be a forced movement. Um, you can kind of compare it to running and say, when your foot hits the ground, you should reflexively lift it up off the ground, right? Obviously, you're, you're forcing that, but there is a little bit of, of tension that's lost from the friction that helps your foot come back up. Uh, it's the same idea. So if I'm swimming freestyle, as I finish my stroke, I should have so much resistance built up on the, the palm of my hand and the fingertips of my hand that as soon as that resistance goes away, my arm should reflexively move back forward above the waterline. It's kinetic energy. Um, so with that in mind, the question I think that should be asked is what's the safest way for someone to swim freestyle and what's the most natural way for someone to swim freestyle? The arguments made, I think for a high elbow recovery are balance arguments in that if, my right arm is swinging wide.
1: Like your balance in the water. My balance
0: in the water. If my right arm is swinging wide during the recovery. What is my left arm doing? And for a lot of people, they would say, oh, my left arm would also swing wide because I have to counterbalance the weight. Does that make sense? Did I just blow your mind a little bit? <laughs> you got to picture oh all I am. I am picturing
2: this. Thing you too. have
0: to picture this, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not picturing it, you're probably not going to get it. Um, But there's a timing that we can adjust to adjust for that human flaw, right? In that if I set my catch with my left arm before my right arm swings wide, my right arm will, I'm sorry, my left arm will not go out. It will move Mm -hmm. back. So it's about timing and it's about balance and it's about reactions and it's about muscles. It's very uh, in depth and involved and nuanced. So you can't make blanket statements. And I think that's the problem with the internet in general is that they make blanket statements that people should be doing X.
1: Well, that's why I continually tell people that you can learn some about swimming online. Yes. Like I truly believe that you can learn some, but like there are so many nuances and things you just can't even wrap your brain around to understand via text and video. Like even though it is video, like right, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, there's everyone is different. Everyone has um, similarities, but everyone is different. So we want to to recognize where people have limitations, where people have ability, and then we coach to those abilities and those limitations. You got to coach to them both. Um, So to get my hand out of the water, I don't need to pick my elbow up if I rotate properly and I let my shoulder blade sort of glide inward towards my spine and upwards towards the front of the pool or wherever direction I'm going, my hand comes out of the water. I don't have to use my elbow to get my hand out. I would say the first two years of Swimbox, we coached a relaxed recovery, not a high elbow recovery, because I won't say that. Um, We coached a relaxed recovery, and it always was a point of like a bottleneck in learning. It would take people months to do it correctly. And then if they did it wrong once, they would hurt their shoulder. And so the shoulder joint is such a complicated joint and such a, I don't know, varied joint. It can move in so many different ways. It's very difficult to control. It's very difficult to break the habits that you have out of the water to control that joint properly. So the way that we teach now is let it be a reaction from your, your finish. If your elbow bends, great, but it doesn't need to be forced. The goal should really be, can you move the shoulder joint with your shoulder blade? We wanna move through the AC joint with your glenoid joint. If anyone's listening and wants to know the joints. English. Right, so <laughs> that's all, you yeah. know. So it's, it's about figuring out how to use our anatomy properly to not hurt ourselves but also we don't want to teach someone injury prevention and make them go slower and so we teach a different way of freestyle with a different timing that there is no glide there is no pausing anywhere it is in constant motion we always want momentum and we want to find the most resistance under the water that we possibly can for as long as we possibly can to, to elicit certain responses through the core and through our limbs it's a very complicated conversation, if you let me talk. <laughs> so. say,
1: did anyone forget that Ola and I are still here? I know. <laughs> I know. So
2: like, when I, the online world, it's interesting because last summer, when I was trying to work on my strokes, like, I, that's how I could have become a WSI. I had to work on my strokes, and I'm still working mm-hmm. on the butterfly. I actually would have to watch videos online, like YouTube videos, like Speedos and all the mm-hmm. coaches mm-hmm. out there. And I put the phone on the deck, and I would watch the YouTube videos. Try to follow, you know, thinking that I am following what they're doing, but I'm I have no one like watching me to assess to analyze anal- analyze my swimming. Yeah, but it did help, you know, when I was reassessed by the Red Cross instructor. And so the Red Cross instructor actually like I used to swim my freestyle all the way back here, and then like all the way back, and then I bring my water my arm above the water, right? Yeah. So, no, no, it has to be halfway up here. that's what I had to work on the muscle memory. It's like muscle memory, I'm always preaching about it because it's really huge. Like if we are built to believe in something in swimming, it's going to take time to unlearn it. And so it's your speed of how you unlearn something. And that's why when it comes to the high elbow, um, I do believe, like I still believe in the importance of doing drills, even if the high elbow is kind of the water, but not too much. um, Because I do believe it is important for us to, Build the understanding in the brain that, like, for someone who's a beginner, right, like me, who is teaching with people who are beginners, to understand, like, you have to get in the motion, right, like, understand it, and then we can walk on the fine, 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 the techniques along the line. Yes. A pursuing journey.
0: Right. It's, I always kind of compare it because I, I went to art school and I always try to compare it to, like, um, sculpting or drawing, right? You have to kind of start with a very rough broad concept of what's going to happen and then as you kind of work on it and That concept starts forming a little bit more clearly then you can get into the more details and you go Oh, okay Well now I could have my hand at this angle and I can have my fingertips pointing here and I can you know get really detailed oriented
1: But I think what Ola said about understanding the mm-hmm. basics first is very important. Yeah, because You can say that and like you can act like you do But if you truly don't you're screwed you'll never be able to make the proper changes. You'll never be able to fine tune the mechanics because you don't understand the groundwork. Right. So I I think like that's something that really needs to be drilled into people's heads. That's why we'll have lessons that only focus on having loose ankles in your freestyle kick. And sometimes people are like, yo, uh, we were just in the pool for 45 minutes. I Mm -hmm. worked on one thing and we're like, "Mm -hmm. yeah, I told you that's what it was gonna be. I don't know if you thought I was kidding. Yeah, but I guess you did.
0: I mean, I, I had like a, those
1: have the, we do those things for a reason. I like had a I lesson Ola pointed out a very good reason.
0: She did. I had a lesson. What was it last Tuesday with somebody first lesson? right? right. Didn't take any strokes at all and was in the water for maybe 10, 10, minutes, 10
1: minutes,
0: maybe 10, maybe 10 <clears> minutes. <throat> that was it. And by the way, that person is suffering from shoulder injuries because of his recovery. That's why I didn't let him take any strokes. Um, there was no reason to make him move a body part incorrectly because he didn't have that knowledge. We were working on building a foundation. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure his posture was right so that the next step moving his arm would go smoothly or correctly. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you got to take your time. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of brain power. I always like to recommend this is silly, but I think it works. I know it works actually. It's not a thought people watch themselves on land in a mirror. If you can see yourself making the movements on land and then start to sort of um, picture yourself swimming while you make those movements on land, it, it, is, it does transfer over to the water. Not 100%, but it does transfer over. So, the
1: correct movements. The
0: correct making movements. Making the correct
1: movements
0: on land. Absolutely. The correct movements. Um, going back to the high elbow part, a lot of people will use their elbow as a counterweight to help them rotate as well. So unknowingly. Unknowingly. People
1: aren't like, "Oh, I'm going to counterbalance with my elbow." I'm <laughs> not saying that.
0: <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> I don't think
1: people that do people do think that. that. that way.
0: No, it's a reaction, right? They they subconsciously do. They go, "Oh, I know I need to rotate. If I put my elbow really far back behind me, that's additional weight that helps my hip rotate, but it also puts their shoulder joint into a very compromised position, All right? So sometimes they're, they're doing it unknowingly as a reaction to trying to achieve something else like rotation. Well, rotation doesn't come from your elbow, right? Rotation comes from your opposite arm catching. At least that's what I believe and that's what I teach and that's what I've seen. Um, it's, it, at, in a beginner, it might be rotation comes from a change in balance, but ultimately it should be coming from leverage from the pulling or the propulsive phase just so we don't use the word pulling yes
2: (laughs) i agree and i also want to emphasize from my knowledge from attending idea conferences um, and all of personal training years the core is so important and i think we should always continue talking about it for the swimmers because the core muscles it's like a huge it's connected to the shoulders as well so and I, i think we talked about it when we were doing the Uh, this one lesson where I was a little bit out of balance because I haven't been doing enough core exercises and strengthening my core. That did impact the way I was doing my rotation, the shoulders. So we really need to focus on exercise on land as well that help build up the shoulder and that has to come back from the core as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, definitely. That's a really good point. I think because it's really easy to think that swimming is just arms and legs. Like especially if... I don't know. You've never competed before and never really cared. If you just go
0: to a pool and watch people swim. Oh, even
1: laps. Like if you're yeah. a lap swimmer, no offense. Um, but my mom's a lap swimmer. My mom, no way. There's no way. If I was like, mom, what do you think the core does for your swimming? She'd be like, mm, what? Bueller? Crickets? I can't say Bueller. I'm sorry. Erase that. Um, I know we won't, but what a, what a tired joke. Um yeah you you definitely don't think about that and I think that's a huge a huge counter point what is what are the words I'm using right now it's a it's just like a really good thing that people need to be aware of but not like like in a in a certain way
0: yeah I think because you can't
1: just think oh I'll tighten my core the whole time I'm swimming right because that's not right
0: right so so I would elaborate on Ola's point and say core isn't just your abs core Mm -hmm. is your your back as well your thoracic spine, your mid back and your low back. Um, And it's not just about a strong core. You can have a strong core, but what if your core is disorganized? What if it's not cooperating with your limbs because you're not in the right position, right? So it's, yeah, we want a strong core, but we also have to have that core know how to react with our limbs and our limbs have to react with that core. So there's lots of work to be done on land and there's, lots of work to be done in the water as well to find those movements and connect those movements and essentially become coordinated. So I think that's, that's the hardest part is understanding that I can't just do a plank and expect me to swim well because a plank, yeah, that makes your core strong, but it's not dynamic in the way that swimming is dynamic.
1: I think a good way to say it is that like your core facilitates proper movements of the rest of, what you're trying to do in the water yeah
0: it's your foundation right yeah and that's that's what our in-service was about on saturday all that breathing stuff that we talked about was really about getting your core to a place that can react right so Mm -hmm.
1: but react as opposed to control control or or yeah it's an interesting way to think about it
0: there's like a, it's like a flex.
1: It's flex. Like a, People think you're supposed to flex your, or like hold in your stomach when you're swimming. It's right. like, no, I'm not asking you to poop in the pool. <laughs> That's not accurate. So I think react is a good way.
0: Yeah. It's almost like being on a tandem bike. Have you ever been on a tandem bike before?
1: No, of course we haven't.
0: Well, I have. <laughs> and if you don't have a very good partner on that tandem bike, it's very difficult to ride. Hold
1: on. I think you're weird, huh? <laughs>
0: now.
2: No. I'm thinking of the drill, like when it comes to the, sh- the high elbow yeah, I was like learning, relearning a few things in the summer, 2019. Mm-hmm. The master swimming coach, uh, Mason, gave me, which you also have that drill on your YouTube channel, I've seen it, the white bar thing. Like, not... Yeah, no, fight. Uh-huh. yeah not the kickboard, but this, the piece... A baton,
1: bar. right? Yeah.
2: Yes, which to me was like new, new toy. Um, in the water, but it was really nice because he, the way he described it, the example, it's like the box, right? Like, you're looking the water down, and then you have that, uh, you know, a box is pretty much like four angles, 90-degree angles, right? Yep, yep. And so when you're in the water, in the recovery phase, going back, I mean, excuse me, the cat's going up to the recover. you imagine there's a box, and you try and go down the line of the box above the water, mm-hmm. and what helped me, it's kind of like that box where it has to be 90-degree angle in the water. So drawing that image in my brain with the baton yeah you see um pipe that really helped me and i it goes back to like our confirmation validation yeah. <laughs> high elbow of like no high elbow really the same size in the water right and i don't see it enough i like i'm not sure if i've seen it enough but i do see the popular accounts on social media with the marketing efforts out there that like it's a lot of swimmers are just doing it like oh i'm swimming no you're not really <laughs> swimming <laughs>
0: You are, but maybe not very well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> like, we talked about Nike's, you know, like, let's go back to the Nike's um, example picture. Oh, yeah. Where we've seen the Muslim woman in the burkini. Sh- he'll show you, but I'll show you. In the okay. Show you. It was- I made a blank face. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So explain, I it, since- explain it. Explain it I missed lot. something. Yeah, what are you talking about? What
2: picture? So, for instance, like, Nike's a big, big brand, and they're putting now, you know, the new burkini uh, modesty Muslim woman, but um they're they don't, they don't seem to really care to show me the right drills and techniques they just want to share that oh muslim women can't swim they you know, sell the product. And, yeah but like her head is so overly rotated and even when dominic saw the picture she was like ouch it hurts me it hurts yeah. me as well but it's My like why are we it. doing this? oh <laughs> but it's a big brand it's very popular therefore it must be right and that's why it goes back to the swimming coaching world of Let's try to show the right techniques. And it's, frustrating. Yeah. it's frustrating for every fitness professional out there, whether it's a swimming or land training. It's the reality. That yeah,
0: I've, I've heard it from uh, run coaches with, like, fitness models that look like they're levitating. Those photos, <laughs> you know.
2: Influencers, like, yeah. <laughs>
0: Nobody runs that way. No one should <laughs> run that way. Stop taking photos like that. You're going to give people the wrong impression. Yeah. unfortunately, those, those are the accounts that have like 54 million people watching yeah. them. And they go, well, that's how I'm supposed to run. And they outfit
1: mm-hmm. all the Olympic athletes. Why wouldn't I listen to Right,
0: them? right. Exactly. Nike and Speedo, they outfit these these athletes. So they must know what they're talking about. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go run t- two miles today. I'm not, you know, training for anything. I just want to go run and be fit. I'm going to try to look like that fitness model. Mm-hmm. It's a bad idea. So it's it is hard to counteract those images uh, and concepts. I think it's even harder for swimming because I've heard it thousands of times at this point in my life. I always go to the pool and I see someone swimming and it looks like they're barely even trying, right? Well, what you're seeing is someone who's proficient under the water. That doesn't mean that they're not really trying, right? Or I think in swimming, people see something and are deceived. I don't think they recognize really what they're looking at, and they believe seeing is believing. But I, I think that they're, they're being tricked. It's a visual trick. It's like an optical illusion. Um,
1: Will I mean, yeah. Our, our like filming from underwater in our lessons—no big deal. I'll just watch underwater videos online. I'll the Olympics puts out underwater footage. I'll just—it's fine. I'll just watch that. Like. I I think that like putting that out there can be, have negative consequences that you don't even think about. Sure. But like, that's never gonna change. Like Michael Phelps is is so fast, I wanna just like Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte, Katie Ledecky, all these people. I mean, you can't like, there are anomalies too. And, and like you can't just assume that they're correct. And I right. feel like that's and like that's there's that's outliers. What outliers this stuff is yeah.
0: And there's more to swimming than just how you move your arms and your legs. This is an
1: interesting tangent. I don't know. It I'm is. Really sure
0: it, I'm really glad that we got here because I think it's really important for people to recognize that there are outliers out there. Look at the Olympians. They're all really tall. They all have very similar body types. This is for swimmers, by the way. Right? There's a reason for that there's they're just a smaller population of people that can do those things and, and have that body type and have that length and maybe have that buoyancy in the right spot. We all hold fat in different places. We all put air different places. It's not just about propulsion. And I would actually say it is more about the reduction of drag than it is about propulsion. So they might just be better, like a quarter of an inch higher up on the water than an average human being. And that might be enough to make them amazing
1: or news obviously slash, hard work too <laughs> just, just because someone's in the olympics like taking all of those names out of it you cannot say that just because they're there they have the best stroke they have the safest stroke right. they have the most proficient stroke no like they race the best right they, like I, I don't know
0: yeah there, I mean, there's
1: just so many factors put into it and unfortunately with social media you just pay attention to the ones you want to pay attention to and marketers are great at that
0: well I'm sure that
1: Nike Edge sold a ton of those burkinis. I hope. <laughs> I'm sure it did. I, I, I disagree <laughs> because, with
0: what they showed, but I hope it empowered some Muslim women to start. Them.
1: Because on on the whole, it is great. Like you're putting that out there, and you're being more accepting and giving more opportunity to other people. But like, don't make people hurt themselves. <laughs>
0: yeah, if you're gonna show a demonstration, show it correctly. Yeah, you know that's so
2: sort of frustrating. Exactly, and it's frustrating, but that's why we do what we do, right? I hope exactly. <laughs> I hope so. We have to go through it because it is a reality. Like for instance, so going um going back to like you know what you see versus what you do and who you should believe. I think in my opinion, like even I'm working on it. So take you know try for yourself. If you feel discomfort in the body, perhaps it's not the right technique, or perhaps you should question it um, and not. Just blindly follow or blindly just do it. And then number two, it's kind of to like look at other coaches, other fitness professionals. How are they doing it? How are they different? And what is their approach to that technique, to that workout? And I have yep. a list of professionals that you can refer to.
0: Yeah. And that's what vision is to you. I, I think um, if you've learned a technique from a swim coach, any technique, and you don't understand – that the reason for doing it, ask them why. Any good coach should be able to explain the why. And if they're unwilling to explain the why, don't trust them. That means they're, they're coaching from tradition, All right. Well, I was taught this way, so therefore that's how I teach it. I wouldn't trust someone who teaches that way. Um,
2: I do have a question. Sure. So when it comes to the 2000 swimming versus 2020, how did swimming change? Because that's something I am learning, and I think perhaps those could benefit from, how swimming has changed from to 2000. And I
1: learned from one of your coaches as well, that works.
0: A lot. <laughs> <From> 2000 <laughs> we,
1: to 2020? So yeah. In the past 20, 20 years, years? Do you have yeah. eight years to talk yeah, about? Yeah, we're going to be here for a I long time.
0: Um, I, think, <laughs> I think really the biggest changes, uh, we're going to go with freestyle. Just It's the easiest mm-hmm. to approach. Um, the biggest changes are breathing technique, breathing timing, um, and then getting rid of the front quadrant freestyle concept freestyle with a glide. Uh, I, I think that, um, in as early as 2005, 2006, there were very smart people, PhDs in physics explaining that that is not the right way to swim, but it was ignored for a very long time. And you're, I mean, Swimbox teaches it differently for a reason because we know better, but there's not that many coaches out there that are teaching something other than a front quadrant freestyle still. Um, and, And actually this is just a side note. One of my open water swimmers that I had on Friday in a workout, he was telling me when he was swimming with the current, on, in a race, his cadence got up to 82 strokes per minute. That's a very, very fast cadence. But I understand. And if he was doing a front quadrant freestyle with a glide, he never would have had that cadence. And the reason why he had that cadence was to stay on top of the waves. He was basically body surfing, spinning his arms to stay up, but not working hard because he was with the current. So
1: also, if you think that sounds crazy, this person is crazy. He's nuts. I just just want you to know, like, he's nuts. Yes, it sounds crazy, but I fully believe him. If anyone else had said it, I uh, know
0: that his stroke count uh, was accurate. Yeah, I laughed hysterically. No, you didn't. (laughs) He was he was using those what are those goggles? Um,
1: (laughs) The ones that give you your heart rate. Your magic five.
0: No, 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 no. They're like they have like. I thought
1: that's what he called it.
0: Magic five.
1: I thought this would hold on. They're
0: like they have like an LED light on the inside. Yeah,
1: magic five. I think Ola's right.
0: There you go. They're
1: pretty popular.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So for open water, they're perfect, really, because they give you times, they give you distances, they give you heart rate if you hook up another device, and they give you cadence. Really important. Ola's right. Nice job, Ola. So, uh, you know, if you watch certain people on Instagram, like Adam Oceanwalker, all of his videos are him with a really slow-ass cadence. And I think that's very deceiving. I don't think that's a very good way to teach people to swim open water. Well, I mean, You have to be varied, and you have to be able to glide when you need to, and you have to be able to pick up the cadence when you need to. Going
1: back to portraying things on social media incorrectly, it's a lot easier to see what he's doing the slower he moves, meaning he's trying to show you a good underwater video.
0: But he's not in underwater; water. It's above water. Oh,
1: well, then I take back everything Yes,
0: yeah. And not only that, the videos are very, very um, up close to his stroke. So you have no reference point. It just looks like he's going fast because there's nothing around to, to show how fast he is going. Mm-hmm. So what you're really watching is someone glide, lose their momentum, drop their velocity, and then take a really powerful stroke and shoot their velocity back up well, wow, look how fast he goes with every single stroke, right? It's misleading. Um, but you'd have to understand that to know that you're being misled.
2: What about breaststroke? Because you mentioned gliding. You have to glide. You have
0: to glide breaststroke, right?
2: Like, that's the stroke that you need to glide. Otherwise, you're not stroking. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> there's a lot of changes that happened from 2000 to 2020. Unfortunately, the swimming world is slow to make those changes. So,
1: and it uh you get. i mean you have to you, think like you have to look for the changes you know what i mean like you also have to be a part of making them if you care um there are a lot of swim coaches who and i'm not saying they don't care um so i'm sure that's how that sounded but you become a swim coach and okay
0: you get complacent. I'm going to
1: work on these practices and I'm going to get these kids their times. And I know everything I've been swimming since I was five. So like, I'm full. Cool. I'm cool. I'll maybe occasionally like need to show them an Olympian video to show them what I'm talking about. But other than that, your average on deck club team swim coach doesn't really have the time to sit down and do a lot of research because usually they're overworked and you have you're getting up at 3am to get to the right pool you're working
0: and- typically seven days a week <laughs> if you're An age group coach, yeah, with not a lot of sleep, so it's hard. I get that, yeah. But I could probably talk to you all day long about this. By the way, (laughs) but we do need to wrap up.
1: I gotta say before we're done, yeah, that I said a lot of stuff about how it's really hard to get your point across with video and words and anything like that, and swimming. And I just wanted to make sure everyone knew that I also met with us. I do not think that we're better than everyone else. Oh no, and that our words are better. I just mean in general, it's hard to get these things. I just was like, you know, if I listen to this bitch say that, I'd have to point out, that, you know what, you're not that great. So I had to say
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been told from one of the podcasts that we did, if we want to go back from the Crossbody Connection podcast, mm-hmm. some people have messaged me and said, holy shit, you blew my mind. I went to the pool, tried it, and I was so much faster just from listening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that same podcast, we got comments that completely – incoherent didn't make any sense what are you
1: talking about right yeah
0: everyone filters things differently it's
1: hard to connect with everyone you with can't all your i mean this it's the same thing with cues in the pool like you know you can't give me the same cue for a drill that you would give dominic and just assume it would work right you know, you have to figure it out everyone's brains are different i'm on a tangent now so let's wrap remember
2: up with a change takes time so we talked about there's a change change takes time and i know we are in the change from the same world
1: Takes a lot of time. Oh yeah, it will take. A, that's a really good point.
0: It takes a lot of time, and also something we didn't really talk about are there are Olympic athletes who cheat. They they dope, and so their technique might be misleading because have, they're uh, enhanced. Yes.
1: You don't want to put it out there.
0: Um, I just don't remember his name.
1: I was gonna say, I feel like.
0: Son, son. Oh, the Asian guy. The the Chinese swimmer who has <laughs> the Australian coach. I know all this stuff oh, about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was always pointed to as the example of look, he has a front quadrant freestyle with this really long glide and he has world records. <gasps> but he was caught doping. I forgot about him. Oops. Name, okay. Now you can't use him as an example but because he was for caught so doping. Long. Exactly. So maybe his performance was enhanced by his doping. Sun Yang. Not yes. Sun Yang. Yes. So maybe I'm
1: sure he's it's a not great technique. person he's not oh okay <laughs> did you just,
0: see the last olympics with him in it
1: i don't need to shit all over people he i didn't know what was happening <laughs> really
0: really bad sportsmanship really really terrible the australian guy who got second um like didn't even want to stand on the podium next to him because he was such an oh asshole. i do remember you telling me that. and then they found out he was doping so <laughs> there you go anyway we've got to wrap this up uh where can people find your all Instagram, your, all your videos, whatever—all all
1: your social media, ready to go. <laughs> yes, uh,
2: Befit for Akira, B-E-F-I-T number four, A-K-H-I-R-A-H, and also my personal—it's ola K Al Gazuli.
1: I'll put all your stuff. I'll put all your stuff in. We'll the, put the links the in bio.
2: Thank you for giving this opportunity, and I look forward to working with you more in the
1: yeah.
0: summer. Yeah. We could always talk, like we always do talk like this, by the way. I'm sure
1: we'll have you back.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll do this again.
1: It's a
0: nice mix. It is. <laughs> All right. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye.